Welcome to the Rosenbox, where dancers go for show prep and candy chat. I'm Claire Kretschmar. And I'm Aron Sands. And we're dancers with New York City Ballet. In each podcast episode, we usually do an ask the dancer question at the end. So we thought since we've been very interactive with social media lately, because that's one of the only ways that we can connect with people, we thought it'd be fun to take the questions that different listeners have asked and to ask them to our dancers in the company and to hear what they have to say. So out of all your questions, we have selected five and we reach out to a number of dancers and we have gathered some very cool answers from Jared Engel, Teresa Reichlin, Lauren King, Megan Dutton-O'Hara, and Mary Elizabeth Sell. And the first question is, what do you like about the Balanchine style? My favorite aspect of the Balanchine style is his musicality. He has an amazing way of having intricate, fast footwork while also incorporating a fluid port bras and upper body. And the incorporation of those two aspects makes for technically challenging work, but also beautiful and intriguing work. My favorite aspect of the Balanchine style is the detail and the energy that is required to do it well. Your hand isn't just there attached to you, but it's part of the whole movement and every single thing from the tip of your finger to the tips of your toes has to be engaged. I love the dynamic energy, the precise musicality, the architecture of the movements. Um, Balanchine took very classical positions and set them off balance and it's a style that just felt very natural in my body. It was the way I instinctually wanted to move. All of those answers are so true and I think I definitely feel very similarly about the emphasis on the musicality, on the energy, on the with the freedom, and how all of these details, these like nuances of the Balanchine technique add up to make something that's really captivating to watch. As I think Tess really pointed out, she's like, it's such beautiful and intriguing work. I definitely agree with all those answers and I can relate, but I have found through the years that Balanchine had a great ability to create steps and movement that are universal within the language of ballet, but somehow they make you feel very like your own. It feels very personal every time you're dancing it. And it really feels like those are your steps and, and you're able to become the step. It has always happened when I am dancing his choreography, as well as being so satisfying because it's so musical and so intricate and a lot of times complicated, but at the same time, because of those qualities, it feels very satisfying when you really are on the music and you're doing the step exactly when you're supposed to in the music. And um, it just feels like very right. Yeah, it is so satisfying. And I think you make a good point too that Balanchine's choreography is universal and that so many different kinds of bodies can do the choreography well. 
and can really also tap into their own personality as well. So it's this really unique gift that he had to create like this very, again, like universal choreography, but then to have each dancer who comes into a, a piece usually feels like they f- like find a different part of their true selves in the ballet as well, which is really incredible. Okay, next up we have funniest dance memories. The one that comes to mind today is a performance of Jerome Robbins' I'm Old Fashioned, where I was dancing with Maria Krauski and also Jennifer Ringer was dancing with Tyler, I believe, my brother. And in the finale, we enter from the back and we lift the women coming forward to this big music. And then all of a sudden it gets very silent and we have to be still and start dancing along to Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. And while being lifted, Jenny just let out a loud wee. And then Maria and I, of course, are very close to erupting into laughter. We were supposed to be paused and my shoulders were shaking. I was probably snorting and feeling very unprofessional and feeling like I was going to probably get fired, but I could not control myself. I've had a lot of funny moments in both rehearsals and performances, including countless falls and silly moments with friends. But one of my favorite onstage funny moments was when I was just beginning in the company and I was performing in Saratoga Springs in our outdoor theater. I was standing on stage during the second movement of Walpurkishnot, which is a long parada for the principal couple. I was standing on stage looking across at my opposite, Unity Phelan, when something quite large and cumbersome landed on my false eyelash. And I knew I had many minutes left on stage. I couldn't exactly swipe at my eye to remove whatever it was that was there. And so I was just making this panicked look across at Unity. And she was smiling back at me like, calm down, everything's going to be fine. But I absolutely see what you have on your face. And I was able to get through the second movement without touching my face. I ran off stage, quickly swiped at my eye, and immediately a bee stung me in the eyelid, which led to finishing out our performance week with no makeup on my eye, but a large and very swollen bruise. And I still look back at that moment and laugh because really, who could have expected a bee sting to the eye? I think the funniest dance things are always when people fall but don't get injured, just because it's so unexpected and surprising. One of my funniest falls or almost falls was from Midsummer Night's Dream in the Divertimento section. And I was dancing with Andrew Scordato, and there's this weaving section where you go in and out of other dancers, and my feet slipped out from underneath me, and... I was like a cartoon where my feet were behind me and I was like almost falling, but Andrew was holding me up at the same time and that was, I couldn't keep it together after that. Falls definitely tend to be funny. And especially as Lauren said, like as long as no one gets hurt, it's totally, I mean, it doesn't feel good to fall. You feel actually quite embarrassed, but it's a good lesson in humility and to just laugh at yourself as well but I one of my favorite best falls um, happened in Saratoga Springs when we were doing Union Jack 
and I was in, I think the dress McDonald movement and we do a lot of just kind of like runs, easy runs. And you just kick your feet up a little, you're supposed to kick your feet up like a little bit in the back, but not a lot. But of course me, I, I went above and beyond with the jog and I kicked my feet like way up behind me so much so that in a certain section called the country dance, my foot got caught in this plaid shawl that goes behind us. And so I reached out to grab someone's hand, but since my foot got caught behind me, I went down on one knee and then I tried to get, I somehow tried to get back up. I have no idea how that happened. As I tried to get back up, I fell a second time because I only had one leg and the other one was caught behind me. It was really funny. And I'm pretty sure that I messed up that whole, it's like a, that section is a very, a, it's like a weaving with people. And I'm pretty sure since I'm the first one to grab hands with someone, I messed the whole thing up. But I don't think there were major collisions except me with the floor, fortunately. I vividly remember that because I'm also part of that section. But during that country dance, there's some couples from the movement that just stand and watch. And there are the other couples that do the country part. And I'm like perhaps four feet away from Claire at this point. And I'm one of the couples that is just watching and standing. And sometimes it's hard to just watch someone go down and just stand there. And you hope they're okay, but sometimes it's particularly funny, especially when they fall and they try to get up and then fall again rapidly right after. Yeah, that doesn't happen often. Like, no, usually fall. you are like, oh, they get it together. But, you know, sometimes it's like you struggle, keeps on going for a bit. Yeah, some, sometimes the third time is the charm. Is the charm. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, that, that was a good, that's a funny memory. It stuck with me. And Megan at Saratoga Springs with that, that what was it, fly, wasp? She definitely bee. got a bug, which is like okay. very particular of Saratoga Springs being an outdoor theater. And there's a lot of nature around. It's bound to land on you at some point while you're yeah. there. Um, it, you get so sweaty there too. I wonder if like sweat attracts the bugs. Oh, 100%. One um, of my funny memories that I can think of is a few years ago, we did a Jerome Robbins like celebration anniversary festival that we did a lot of his like major works. So among other many remarkable Jerome Robbins pieces, we did West Side Story, which I love. And uh, towards the beginning, there are um, two sections where at the end of the dance, everybody's holding their pose in a different position. And then from there, everybody jumps and kind of does like a starfish position with your arms open above your head and then your legs open a little um, wide apart. And you hold that position and everybody does it at the same time. So you do that twice. The first time you do this facing the audience. And the second time everybody on the stage does the same thing by facing the back. So sometimes you, you've done the, the ballad so many times that you're just like, you know, really in the moment. So the first time I got it right, and then the second time, I was the only person that I did the starfish position looking at the audience. And I could see, because I, I'm towards the back, so I could see everyone in front of me that did a face in the back could see me. 
face in the audience <laughs> and to see everyone's faces was like a, a panic moment and there's nothing you can do because if you do something is more noticeable and I'm twisted back so I'm just like I hope nobody noticed but everyone's faces were pretty funny your your overall shape was correct like you had your arms up and I your legs the, were I apart the pose down I just was facing the wrong direction yeah Okay, not too bad, but very funny for all those who saw it. <laughs> yeah, and all those that, that were facing the back and not facing the audience could, like, laugh, but I was facing the wrong direction and could not make a face. Yeah, bummer. You lost. <laughs> <laughs> um, there have been very few times where people wear warm-ups over their costumes, and sometimes they're wearing, like, long skirts, and they have leg warmers under, or just, like, you, you, that's what, how, how you try to keep yourself warm while being backstage. And that's like one of my worst nightmares to feel like I'm going on the stage wearing a warm up. So it's like one of those things that I check like a hundred times. Yeah, definitely. Just like, yeah, I always like look down and look at all the body parts before I go on stage. Yeah. Cause you never know, like something like a rubber band could be on mm -hmm. you because it feels or so jewelry. much. Yeah, like it feels like it's already a part of you that you would easily forget to take it off if you weren't looking at it. So that's, that's a good point. Something pro tip from Aaron Sands. <laughs> Shake yourself at least six times. <laughs> For our next question, we have selected what have you danced that felt like your truest self? Truest self, describe why? That's a hard one. I think you go through phases when you love a certain ballet and it feels amazing and it fits like a glove and you don't have to think about it. You don't have to think about the hard stuff. It just comes seemingly naturally. Uh, and that can change. Sometimes you get sick of a ballet if you've done it too much and it becomes less inspired, let's say. But I tend to like the ballets where you just can dance and respond to the music and listen to the music and not have to worry about double tours and like lots of pirouettes and that sort of stuff, which is less fun. So Serenade, for instance, is always just heaven. Or Symphony in Three Movements, the, the, the whole finale. I mean, you are just really exhausted, but you're moving together with the rest of the cast and you're just doing these amazing steps to Stravinsky and you don't have to really think about anything. I feel my truest self in the Balanchine Ballet, Tchaikovsky Piano Concerto Number no. 2. I love this ballet for so many reasons. Um, the music, first of all, is amazing. I love that the lead ballerina and the pianist have a special relationship. You have to spend hours and hours in the rehearsal studio negotiating and rehearsing with the pianist because there are so many cadenzas in the ballet that the pianist has complete control over the tempo and there are moments in the ballet where the ballerina has to do extremely intricate fast footwork and it's fun to be able to work with a musician on that and and kind of develop a relationship and a, and a story of your own just between the ballerina and the pianist which is very unique and doesn't often happen. I also love that it showcases adagio as well as fast footwork. There are parts of the ballet that seem to have no story. And then there's a central parada that is so romantic. So it has a little bit of everything. And it is truly one of my favorite ballets to perform. 
It's hard to pick one ballet that would make me feel like my truest self, especially in this time when I would welcome dancing absolutely anything on stage just to be out there performing again. But when I think about it, Sarah Nod holds a special place in my heart because each time I get to dance it, which has been over the course of several years now, I find additional nuances. I'm more taken away by the music, which is this wonderfully expressive Tchaikovsky piece. And it just challenges me in a new way while also feels so safe because I'm surrounded by my fellow female corps de ballet members. And each time I get to be on stage performing Serenade, it just feels like such an incredible experience. In what ballet do you feel like your truest self? This is a very interesting question because that specific ballet has evolved for me throughout my career. When I first joined the company, and was had the privilege of dancing Serenade my first year, I remember thinking, this is it. This is like the ultimate dream was to be in New York City Ballet and dance Serenade. Like, it doesn't get better than that. And I, you know, all the dancers that had been in it for years would tell me how amazing it was, and it just was like, you felt the best in this ballet. And I remember, I would say for at least the first four years, of performing it, I felt horrible. <laughs> I didn't feel like a very good dancer. You know, I was struggling with some of the technique of the steps, and I knew that it was supposed to have this swooping, sweeping quality to it, and it felt so unnatural to my body. It was foreign to my body, and I remember feeling a bit ashamed that I didn't have that same feeling that dancers talked about with Serenade. And I thought, you know, what's wrong with me that I am not connecting to this ballet, that I'm not feeling it the way I'm supposed to be. And I will say that is the one that has changed the most over time. Now, when I dance Serenade, it is the most that I ever feel like my truest self out there on stage. It's, I feel that I'm really able to express who I, Mary Elizabeth Sell, am through dance. Wow, Serenade was a big hit, clearly. Top 100 billboard. Wait, but actually, do you think like Serenade is overrated or is Serenade like underrated? Or it's just rated as it should be? I think it's rated as it should be rated. I don't know. I think it's a gem in our repertoire. I think, no, I think it is. I think it's a masterpiece, period. But there happens moments like Mary Elizabeth, when she gets in it, it's been so held to such high standards to what it should be and what it should feel like that you feel like you can't get up to those expectations. And if it doesn't feel the same, you're like, I must be doing it wrong. Or I just feel like a failure for not like doing justice to the ballet. Every ballet that we get to do provides some kind of challenge. And Balanchine's choreography is very universal, but it doesn't mean that it's always easy to tap into the character or the the mood of the piece. 
And so I think, yeah, what Mary, Mary Liz describes is each year or each season that she did Saranon, she was like growing into the role more and understanding the, the mood, and the technique that was required of the piece. But now, you know, it's one of her top, it's one of her favorites. Um, and I think, I think it is for so many women. I mean, I mean, even Jared, he said that Sarah Nod is his favorite, but I think especially for the women, because it is a very like female dominated cast. I think a lot of ladies do really find all of the parts of themselves in the choreography of Sarah Nod. I think there is something very wise about Jared's answer. And I can definitely agree that you do something at a point in your life and in your career and it feels a certain way and you might be the dancer and the person at the time and then you do it later in your career and I mean first of all it's never going to feel the same regardless but you feel like you've grown as an artist as a person you're not that same dancer anymore and um, sometimes you feel a little conflicted, conflicted because you're like I'm not doing it like I used to but it's also a, a mindset to realize that you're never going to do it the same way. And even if it's not the same person you were, you can always explore on how to do that particular role being the person that you are at that moment. Yeah. So it, agreed. I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to say which one I feel my most self. Cause I can tell you what I feel my most self that time during that ballet. I don't know who will be, today but if i had to pick one i think i would have to definitely pick a balancing one because as i said he really gives you the ability to become yourself within the steps and i feel like i've really i found myself during a lot of his black and white ballads episodes stravinsky violin concerto four temperaments have really given me the ability to do the steps dance with the music, but really be myself. And I never had a hard time, no matter what I felt or how, how I was at that time, I never had a problem tapping into myself through the choreography at any given point, hands down. And another one that I really feel as well in that same direction is Dances at a Gathering by Joan Robbins. I, it has a certain quality as well to be very personal and very connected within just the dancers on the stage. No matter how you're feeling, you once again will be able to find yourself and, and enjoy it in a different way each time. So there are values that just like, they, they grow with you very well. Yeah, and I think all the ballets that you just mentioned, even though like the Balanchine Black and White Ballets and like something like Dances at a Gathering by Jerome Robbins, which is a little more casual and free, but all of those ballets have like a certain clarity to them and a really like a distinct refinement. I was As I was thinking about your answers, like that's something that unites all of those ballets is that they're very like, have a nice clarity to them. Question number four is what's your favorite theater? One of my favorite theaters to perform at was the Palais Garnier in Paris because it's so steeped in history and has this amazing Chagall painting on the ceiling of the theater. And it just feels, you feel really connected with 
dance history and the history of the performing arts. And it was such a special time. I think the favorite theater that I performed in that wasn't our own theater was probably the the Opera Bastille in Paris. It's the the newer theater, not the the Garnier, the old the Rake's theater. The Bastille is a flat floor. It's huge. It takes about, you know, seemed like 30 minutes to get from your dressing room to the stage level, which could, you know, it's like every n- nightmare you have about not being ready for your stage call. But once you're on stage, I thought it was so great. The floor was like super soft. The house wasn't scary. You didn't look out. It wasn't like super black. It wasn't pushing you off your leg. I feel like it was a good turning theater. I really enjoyed the bestie. Plus you're in Paris. Favorite theater to perform in. This one is easy. It is our home theater. The David H. Koch Theater, formerly the New York State Theater. This is absolutely my favorite theater to perform in. It's the theater that I grew up going to as a as an audience member and it's been the theater that I've performed in the most throughout my career and it, it's my home. I love it. I feel like my sort of routine and life has formed based on that theater. Besides our theater, coming in a very close second is the Chatelet in Paris. We performed there for three weeks a number of years ago. I think I like it because it's just a little bit smaller, both in capacity and square footage than our theater. So it felt a little more intimate and a little bit less intimidating than our large theater in New York. So for that reason, I did love performing at the Chatelet. Great answers. Do you have a favorite theater around? Yes. I mean, I do agree that dancing at Lincoln Center feels very comfortable because we do so much that you get to not even get nervous at all before dancing certain parts because you've done them a lot in that particular theater or you did them for the first time there. So you're very used to it. You know where everything is. You know where, how wide the wings are and how much space you have backstage and where everything is. Sometimes it is really fun to go on tour and get to a different theater, but you're like, I don't know where the closest bathroom is. I don't know if I have this space at all to warm up or like, can I bring my things down? Um, I don't know so- how fast the elevator is. Oh gosh. <laughs> Yes, we, we, we've had that issue before. Uh, but um, as much as I love our home, I have to say that the time that we went to Copenhagen to Denmark on tour a few summers ago, we danced at the theater inside the Tivoli theme park. And I thought that was a fantastic time in a a great little theater to dance in because the energy surrounded the theater, given that it's a theme park, it's so joyous. From inside a theater, you can hear kids laughing and screaming all the time, constantly. And um, everyone kind of like feeds up that energy. And even though the, the stage is small, and, um, you know, you have sometimes to accommodate um, choreographically. It is really fun because you really feel like you're very together dancing. 
Well, um, if you're in a bigger stage, sometimes it's great because you have a lot of the space to move, but you're like, I don't even know where the other dancers are. And, and it's, you know, different, different experiences. But I have to say that Tivoli was really fun. Also, they have like a parade going around the theme park at certain hours. Um, and they go by ex like literally right in front of the stage door. And the, also the windows in the dressing rooms face like roller coasters and other fun attractions. And that was really, really fun. Everyone was in a good mood the whole time. Like, of course, there's going to be drama and, and, and you're going to be stressed about dancing and why not? But um, everyone was in such a good mood. Also, we got access to all of the rides every day that we were there. So um, if you didn't have that much rehearsal that day, um, a lot of us got on a few rides between the morning rehearsal slash class and then the night performance. Yeah, so that it was, was always fun. It was so much fun to be in Tivoli. I agree 100%. How about you? What's your favorite theater? Since hearing you describe all of these wonderful things about Tivoli, it's definitely, it's, I mean, if I have to choose a theater besides our theater, I would maybe pick Tivoli or the Chatelet in Paris. Um, and I kind of think for similar reasons, like Tivoli, as you said, it's, I mean, being in a theme park and performing in a theater is like, I don't know of another place in the world that has that or at least that capacity for ballet to be performed in a theme park. Um, but also the Chatelet and Tivoli, they're, they're both small. They're like a little bit smaller. And the Chatelet specifically has this vintage vibe about it that it, it fits the Parisian mood as well as like old Hollywood glamour. So I think that I enjoyed being a part of that history and experiencing that glamour for the weeks that we got to be there in the summer of 2016, I think. So yeah, those were two. Yeah, again, if I pick one besides our own theater, those two would be at the top. And now, last but not least, we have asked our dancers, why New York City Ballet? I love New York City Ballet for the variety of our repertoire and also the number of performances we do. I love that we perform more than we rehearse. I love that there's always something new to work on. It, um, for lack of a better word, keeps you on your toes and keeps you super engaged and interested and um, fulfilled. When I was growing up, this was before YouTube and before the internet. And as a young dance student, you would just watch whatever VHS tapes you could get. And the one that was my favorite was the Balanchine Celebration that the company put on in 1993, which I responded to so much more than La Bayadere, Giselle, or any of the more classical ballets. I was always enamored with New York City Ballet, even as a young student. I remember my ballet teacher in Maryland would show VHS tapes of Balanchine festivals and the Nutcracker production, and I had gotten to see Nutcracker once live in Lincoln Center with my parents, and I was just so intoxicated by the movement, the technicality, and the productions, each one of them being so unique. and. It translated into me giving a 
class speech in eighth grade about New York City Ballet with no knowledge that I would ever get to be in New York or be in the company. But I was just so excited by the performances that were happening in New York City. And so once I got to SAB and I started to really learn the technique and understand the vast repertoire that the company has, I was so excited to and so hopeful to get to be in the company and dance the challenging yet brilliant choreography. I love New York City Ballet because not only do we get to do amazing rep and work with new choreographers all the time, but the people who are part of the company, including the dancers, musicians, stagehands, the guards at the front desk of the theater, the administration, everyone who's involved in the company is so inspiring and has an amazing, interesting life even outside of the theater. And that makes it really great to come to work. I think something that uh, the dancers speak to is the communal vibe about New York City Ballet and that everyone has an important role to play. Um, like as Lauren said, the security guards are extremely important to the theater. Um, the ushers, the musicians, the conductors, the stagehands, the stage managers, the sound team. Um, everyone has a really important role to play. And of course, the dancers and the, the, the ballet masters and mistresses. And I think you know, feeling, you know, on a given day, you, you may feel more or less valued by the company or by your peers. And that's normal. That's normal in any workplace. But I think that something that has been consistent is, yeah, this feeling that everyone's important. And I think that it comes from the way George Balanchine and Lincoln Kirstein set up New York City Ballet to be this really collaborative company. Like they were very intentional about the kinds of dancers that they wanted to come to the School of American Ballet in the beginning. They were intentional about the kinds of um, music leaders they wanted and the costume designers. Like we had Karinska, who was like a genius, like a wizard with costumes. But it's all because um, these people were picked and valued by. Uh, the leaders of New York City Ballet and at the time like George Balanchine with Lincoln Kirstein and Jerome Robbins eventually but I think that that legacy is has landed and will continue to land in the company for years to come which as the dancers have said it just makes it a really like you feel like you're a part of something bigger than yourself and that you have a strong desire to do it justice. Wow. Clark Richmond 2020. That this was... is what quarantine does. I get to think a lot and share. I know, it. for good and for bad, sometimes I like overthink about things. Yeah, and I'm just yeah like, for better or for worse, for sure. Well, as much as I um, find all those like stories of connecting to New York City Ballet very early in each dancer's life, I don't think that was quite my journey with City Ballet. I was being born in Spain and part of Europe, I was exposed to a different um, geographic of ballet. A lot of European companies, European style choreography and music. So um, I grew up seeing the Paris Opera, Royal Ballet, Royal Danish, other companies that um, were 
quite different from New York City Ballet. And even though I knew it existed, um, City Ballet didn't get to tour and come to Spain at all during my whole youth. So I knew it existed, but I didn't have the exposure to it as other people do living in America. So when I finally first made my contact with School of American Ballet in New York City Ballet, I was 17. Um, but I think it worked for me timing-wise because I was really able to know what I liked, what I didn't like, um, what I was looking for, and like ready to like fully fall in love in, in a different way. So when I got to see a live performance, and I think that's every company's biggest strength is like seeing them perform live. There's you can watch many videos or hear um, stories, but nothing like see a company perform live will make you understand what each company is about. And it was then that I was like, wow, blown away, completely mesmerized, and like I was left with an enormous feeling of wanting to be part of it in one way or another yeah even though it wasn't what i was uh, my most familiar with it was definitely something that one way or another it, it caught my interest in a way that no other company had and then i was very fortunate to to be able to become part of it and experience this and experience it not just from an outside point of view, but from an inside and, and to understand that energy you get as an audience member truly is what is experienced on the stage. There is something extremely special about New York City Ballet. It, I mean, it is the birthplace of the Balanchine technique and the Balanchine style and really the distinctly American style of ballet too. And and again, like with that, all of his careful considerations for the details of every dancer, of every person involved with the production, of every theater staff member, it's like all of these details added up to create something extremely beautiful and extremely unique. And we have like a really special legacy to uphold. So yeah, it's just a very special and beautiful place. That's all for City Ballet, the podcast for this season. We're going to go on a summer break and we hope that you all stay safe and healthy and hopefully have a good summer. Peace, love, dance. Thank you so much for listening. It's been really exciting and thrilling to be able to put together a podcast while being separated from each other and during quarantine and during um, this time so we appreciate that we appreciate your support and we hope to get back to you guys sometime during the fall okay should we do <laughs> what if we do a digital digital curtain down go for it that was it should i do it again yeah please okay Digital, digital, curtain down.